Well, we are starting a brand new series called The Future You. And the question that we're asking is, what will you be in five years? I want you to think about your age just for a second and just add five years to it. I'm 57. I'm going to do the math for you. I'll be 62 in five years. And you know, it dawned on me as I was working on this message, I could retire. I mean, technically, you know. Now, my financial planner said, yeah, that's a dream, okay. You're going to work the rest of your life. But I'm excited about uh, being 62 because as I look back on it, I, I love my 20s. I love my 30s. I love my 40s. And the 50s have been amazing. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the 60s. I really truthfully am. And I hope you're looking forward to the future you as well. You're looking forward and excited about what God has in store for you because as a Christian, you know that God has gone before you and he's made a way, he's made a pathway for you. He's preparing the future for you. I think some of us, though, when it comes to this new year kind of thing and we talk about resolutions and some people say, I, make, I don't make resolutions, I do, you know, that kind of thing. I never see them through. But all of those things, we're planning for change. Some of us are planning for deeper change. We're talking about transformation. There's a problem, though. Often, we think too small. We think too small. We often underestimate what we can do in the long term, and we overestimate what we, can, what we do in the short term. Many of us have a serious attention span problem. We just don't stick with things. We jump ship when we're not happy anymore, or we don't stay with stuff long enough to really see significant impact. And that's true in ministry. I mean, you think about it. The average minister, minister's stay at a church in America is between three and five years. Youth ministers, it's two years. How do, you, how do you make an impact in a community? I mean, really impact people's lives if you don't give yourself time to hit your stride. I wonder if the same isn't true in other industries, other businesses, other areas of life. We overestimate what we can do in the short term, and we underestimate what we can do in the long term if we just stuck with it. That's the acorn of this series that we will hopefully grow to be this huge oak tree someday. That's the idea behind the future you. We're not just going to start a new year going, okay, here's what I'm going to do in 2020. I'm going to change this or I'm going to change that. We're going to think bigger than that. We're going to think longer term than that. We're going to think we're going to stay right here. And in 2025, what am I going to look like? Who could I be in 2025 if I got after it? I mean, if I put my shoulder in, if it gave it all that I've got. If I trust the God who made the heavens and the earth, sent his son to save me, said he was for me, not against me, gave his spirit in me so that I might have wisdom and get, gain direction from him. Who could I be if I had all that going for me in five years? What could I look like? What would my life be like? What would I be? That's the question. If you have your Bible, turn to Romans, the 13th chapter. We're going to use uh, verses 11 through 14. But I'm going to, if you have an app and you're using the app, you might want to turn to the message Translation. I don't use this very often, but I'm going to use it this morning. I, I like the way the words are in it. This is what Paul writes in Romans 13, starting with verse 11. He says, Make sure, but make sure 
that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all your day-by-day obligations that you lose track of the time and doze off, oblivious to God. The night is about over. Dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. What is he doing? Listen to what he's doing. God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work he began when we first believed. And then verses 13 and 14. We can't afford to waste a minute. Must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity and indulgence, in sleeping around and dissipation, in bickering and grabbing everything in sight. Get out of bed and get dressed. Don't loiter and linger, waiting until the very last minute. Dress yourselves in Christ and be up and about. I wonder if this doesn't give us a bit of a description about our lives. He talks about loitering and laying around. Does that describe any of us in here? Just kind of hanging out. He says, don't loiter and linger. We don't talk like that very often, do we? But that's in the message. That's a modern day translation. Don't loiter and linger. Waiting until the very last minute. I think some of us look at life and we say, I'll serve God when I get older. Right now, it's me time. I want to have fun. I want to enjoy this world. I want to enjoy this life. I'll get my act together in the future. Eventually, I'll do what's right. But right now, I want to do what I want to do. And what the writer of Romans, the Apostle Paul is saying here is, don't wait until the very last minute. He says, dress yourselves in Christ and be up and about. I like the way the NIV says it. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. What will you be in five years? You know, five years is enough time to accomplish quite a bit of things, isn't it? Think about what someone could do if they really gave themselves seriously to some specific thing for five years. I want you to think about all the positive things that could happen. Think about this. You could be fluent in a language five years from now. If you, well, I mean, Rosetta Stone, Babel, all these online, you know, apps and different things that teach you language, you could learn those things in five years. Five years. Way better than just watching cat videos on YouTube, I promise. There was a guy in first service that said, no, I think I'd rather watch cat videos. He literally was shaking his head like, Dude, you are speaking Cantonese. That's exactly right. Five years ago, I started. No, I'm kidding. You could get a degree. Think about that. You could say, I'm going to get an education. I'm going to go back to school. And five years is enough time to do that. Night classes, online classes, community college. Hey, you could, you could put your career, current career on hold if it worked out. And you could go to one of these great universities that we have in this area. Education can open all kinds of opportunities, and to enter into business and occupy that space for Jesus, you could be a great light in an area that you're not currently involved in, but you could choose if you, if you went back to school. You could learn a new skill. Five years, plenty of time to at least get your arms around getting skilled at something that maybe you have an aptitude for, or maybe you just have a personal love or passion for. Mark Twain said it this way. He said, find a job you enjoy doing, and you'll never have to work a day in your life. What if you could find that? You see, God gave you something that you're great at, maybe, or that you're passionate for. 
So figure out how you can learn to be good at that and then find a place where somebody will pay you to do that. And if you're good enough at it, they might actually listen to what you have to say. And if, you're, if you work really hard at it and you're good at it and people listen to what you have to say, guess what? You may get the opportunity to tell them about how Christ changed your life. You know, you could save money over the next five years. That's a good thing. If you saved $1 a day over the course of the next five years, you will save $1,825. That's good. You could start, you could start a uh, podcast, something that you're passionate about or something that you're, you know, skilled in. You could do that. Or you could read a book every month for the next five years, an area of life that you say, hey, I want to grow in. I want to learn more about. So you pick a specific area or maybe just a passion of yours. And every month you read a book. The average book, they tell me, is about 200 pages. So all you would have to do, if you broke it all down, read six pages a day on average, and you could read a book a month, 60 books over the course of five years. How long would it take you to read just six pages a day. 10 minutes, 20 minutes, those from Jesmond County, an hour. <laughs> People from Tennessee go, read? What are you talking about? Just kidding, just kidding. We love Tennessee. <laughs> Let me ask you this. How about something transformational? What would it, what would it look like if you could radically transform your soul over the next five years. Growing closer to God, closer than ever before. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. What if you gave the next five years of your life over to seeking God? I mean, really putting your shoulder into it. You promise, you promise those, he promised those who would seek him that they will find him if they seek him with all their heart. But let's be honest, the problem in the church today isn't unanswered prayers. It's prayers that never get prayed, right? You remember the old hymn? How much peace do we forfeit because we never go to God in prayer? How much? But what if for the next five years, you sought God every day through prayer. You sought him through his word, the scriptures. Even if you, you memorized some of those verses so that they were part of you. What about reading the Bible? We're doing, as you probably know, we're doing uh, church-wide Bible reading through the New Testament. Basically a chapter a day over the course of this time. And go to ncclex.info, go down to the 2020 Bible reading tab, and you can start doing it today. I hope you'll do that. But I want you to think about reading the Bible. Have you ever read through the entire Bible? You know, if you read two chapters a day, over the course of five years, you'll read through the Bible three times. Who knew? Then if you invest that much into God's Word, then when somebody does something that bugs you or annoys you, this verse pops in your head. What if you're tempted to go somewhere on the web that you know you shouldn't go, or you're tempted to falsify some records or lie to a client at work, and all of a sudden this verse pops into your head and you go, where did that come from? And then you realize, oh, I read it this morning, or I read it last week, and now it's in there, and it's not letting me sin against God. And so we change our trajectory. 
You know, there's a lot of positive things that could happen over the next five years, but there's also a lot of negative things that can happen. Do you know that five years is plenty of time to get a DUI, put on 30 extra pounds, neglect paying your taxes, rack up a mountain of credit card debt? It's also plenty of time to get addicted to drugs, alcohol, all kinds of things. So here's the deal. Five years is long enough to do a lot of good, and it's long enough to do a lot of evil. This series is about deciding to make decisions so that five years from now, you're not settling for the less than life. That's the title of today's talk. Let's get to five years from now and be pumped about the choices that we've made. All right? And it starts today. It doesn't start yesterday. You're fine. You're not behind. Even though we're already into 2020, we're starting today. So here's the key point, and I want you to listen very closely to this. This may be the hardest thing that we understand this morning. But the key point is this. The way you let things in become the ways you are set in. The ways that you're set in. You've heard of people being set in their ways? That's what I'm talking about there. So let me say it one more time. The way you let things in become the ways you are set in. We all have ways. God has his ways, and you and I have our ways. And the Bible says that as, far, as high as the heavens are above the earth, God's ways are above our ways. So our ways and God's ways are different. But you have ways, and I have ways, and sometimes those are different too. Our ways are how we choose to act. Our ways are, are the way we speak to one another. The way we accept certain things and decline other things. The way we stay or the way we go. It's just all a matter of how I'm, my ways are. And you know where we got a lot of those ways? We got them from our parents. Have you ever said, oh, I'll never say that to my kids. And then you had kids. And guess what you did? You said it, right? I'll never be like my old man or I'll never be like my mom. But then you find yourself, because they modeled these things for you, and you were soaking it in, that now you handle conflict the way your mom does, or you, you manage money the way your dad did. Some of us, we, we got our ways from watching television. It was modeled for us right there on TV, the sitcoms or the, the, the action films. There, there's some great life lessons, you know, from an action film. Just blow everything up, right? Some of us today, we're seeing our, our ways are coming from things modeled for us on Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat. That's where we're learning our worldview. That's where our actions and our words are getting shaped. I want to caution you. The way you let things in eventually become the ways you are set in. We've heard it said, I said it earlier, he's set in his ways. And that's oftentimes a negative or a criticism of he's stubborn. But being set in your ways is a good thing if you're set in the right things, the right ways. So what I want to do is give you four what I think are key things to give us perspective for being the best you, the best future you that you can be. And this will help us to develop the best ways, okay? The first thing is this. Time is against us. 
Time is against us. Twice in this text, Paul brought up this concept of time. He said he doesn't want us to lose track of time in verse 11. And then he said the night is about over. Dawn is about to break in verse 12. He wants us to understand the timing of things. Now, there are two words in the Greek that the Greeks used, and we translate time. One is chronos, and the other is kairos. Chronos is general time. Like, what time is it? You would say, what chronos is it? But kairos is specific time. Like, you might say, it's time to board the plane. Kairos, it's time to board the plane. The time we board the plane is at 1 o'clock. Or we're now boarding first class. Or zone one or zone two or zone three. Now the door. It's time to close the door. It's a specific time. They're on a schedule. It's time for the plane to take off. That's kairos. It's specific time. And I want you to listen to what Paul says again in Romans 13, verses 11 and 12. Make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all your day-by-day obligations that you lose track of kairos. A specific time, lose track of that time, and doze off oblivious to God. The night is about over, dawn is about to break. He's referring to the end of life here, by which we need to know that thing is hurtling at us at breakneck speed. Don't lose track of that specific time when life will end. Paul's saying you want to be ready. You don't want to be asleep, dozed off, oblivious to what God is doing. Listen to how David put it in Psalm 39, 5. He said, indeed, you have made my days as handbreadths, and my age is as nothing before you. Certainly every man at his best state is but a vapor. Life is a vapor, he says. It's like fog. It rolls in, and before we know it, it's burnt off and it's gone. Your life, it seems so real right now. So much is going on. You're buying stuff online. You're going places. You're visiting friends. You're eating in great restaurants. You're driving your F-150. You're driving your SUV or whatever you're driving. You're driving and you're, you're clicking on stuff on Instagram, on Facebook. You're just living the dream. And you think, man, it is all so important and so relevant. And what the writer of Psalms says is going to vanish Just like fog, poof, you're going to be gone. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Yeah. Here's the deal. Psalm 90, verse 10, goes a little deeper. It says, 70 years are given to us. Some even live to 80. But even the best years are filled with pain and trouble. Soon they disappear and we fly away. He goes on in verse 12. He says, Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Psalmist is saying, life is short. 60 years, 70 years, 80 years. But in the context of God's perspective, that is just like that. And some of you are in your 20s, you're in your 30s, maybe you just started a family, and you're thinking, man, you've got all of this time ahead of you, but I'm telling you, you will blink and the decades will be gone. And the older you get, I know time just still goes the same pace, but it seems like it goes faster and faster. Aristotle put it this way, we should count time by heartthrobs, meaning every time your heart beats, it's a gift. That is not guaranteed 
It's no guarantee that it's going to happen again or again. And you should cherish every one of them. 1 Peter 1.24, the apostle writes this, All people are like grass. Their greatness is like the flowers. The grass dries up and the flowers fall off. There's an encouraging word, right? You're like grass that dries up and the flowers fall off. Peter's point is this. Our life is a lot like flowers of the grass. All of our beauty, all the things that we build, all the problems we solve, build a great company, awesome. You know, produce a blockbuster movie, fantastic. All of our accomplishments, things like that, and even greater things, all of those things are just like the flowers of the grass. And the grass withers and the flowers fall off. But that's not where he stops. In the next verse, verse 25, he says, but the word of the Lord endures forever. So time is not on our side. The life is just, a gra- is just grass. Your successes are like a flower, here today and gone tomorrow. But through listening to God's word, we can tap into something that will last forever. And that's important because time is against us. The second thing I want us to note is the future you is simply an exaggerated version of current you. Future you is an exaggerated version of current you. Let me have a moment to explain. Sometimes we think about the future romantically. As a kid, you'd lay in the backyard and you'd look up at the sky, the clouds rolling by, and you'd ask yourself, I wonder what I'm going to be when I grow up. Because, you know, as a kid, everything is possible, right? And maybe you dreamed these huge dreams. You're going to be a, a, a professional athlete, or you're going to be an astronaut, or you're going to build the greatest company. And you're going to be something that right now you are nothing like. What are you like now? Well, you're like who you were five years ago, only you're more of that, unless you made some changes. See, if you want to know who you're going to look like in the next five years or what you're going to be like in the next 10 years, just look at yourself and imagine more miles on the chassis, right? There is... uh, there's an, there are these apps now that you can actually put yourself through, and it'll show you what you look like in 10 years, right? And so we thought that would be kind of interesting to do with some of our staff. So we did myself. Here's a picture of me. What a handsome guy. Yeah, hey. Easy now, kids, easy. Okay. And then here's me in, in 10 years. <laughs> Sadly, very little difference, right? Okay, here's uh, David Green. Okay, picture of youth and everything. And then here's David in 10 years. You know, he held up pretty well, pretty well, right? And then here's Micah. Micah's the youngest of us. Here's Micah in 10 years. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Apparently, being a worship leader takes a lot more out of a guy, right? I don't know. Seriously, here's what it means. If you're kind today, you're going to be kinder in the future because the things deepen in you as you mature. That's part of your maturity. If you're generous now, you're going to be, future you is going to be more generous. I want you to think about it. Picture yourself as a more generous person because that's who you're going to be. But the flip side is true also. If you're cruel today or if you're mouthy, you're going to be crueler in the future. Or you're going to be mouthier in the future. That's hard to believe sometimes, isn't it? These things will just deepen and this is what forms our character This is who we are. This sermon is on 
who you're going to be in the future. And it's important that you know that time, listen up, doesn't change who you are. It reveals who you are. And it makes you more of who you are. Time isn't going to change you. Oh, you may think, oh, I'm going, to ch- I'm going to be different in the future. No, you're going to be exactly like who you are, making the same choices you're making today, just more set in your ways. A more exaggerated version of who you are. Now, you may be thinking, if that's true, I, I need to have some scriptural backup for that, and I got three verses for you. Let me give you the first one, Proverbs eleven twenty seven. He who earnestly seeks good finds favor, but trouble will come to him who seeks evil. If you're sincerely looking for good in people, sincerely looking for good in every situation, looking for the good in life, living with a faith-filled optimism that God can turn anything around, guess what? When you get older, you're going to find favor. That's what the writer of Proverbs says. But if you're seeking trouble, if you're looking for evil, if you're, if you're the first to find the problem in every situation, the first to see the faults in everybody, you're going to find trouble. And you may wonder, how would someone know that's true about you? Because they will know. They'll know it by the things you write, the comments, the posts, the emails, the text messages, the quips, the, re- the retorts. They're shooting out of us. Those things, they just fly out of us. And these things tell if you're looking for trouble, if you're looking for evil. Well, there's a second verse, Proverbs 26, 27. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it, and he who rolls a stone will have it roll back on him. The writer of Proverbs tells us this doesn't end well for the one with the critical attitude. If there's a critical nature to you, if you have a wounded heart, if you're rushing around casting judgment on the people around you, then that will come back on you. That will come back on you. Jesus put it best. This is verse number, this is number three verse. Matthew 7 verse 2 says, that critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. It has a way of boomeranging. Somebody said you are what you eat or you become what you watch. And the Bible says you reap what you sow. So the future you isn't actually so mysterious. It's current you, only exaggerated. But here's the good news. If you don't like what you see, you can change what you're doing. If you're disappointed now, you thought you would be different five years ago looking to this point or ten years ago looking to this point, you will be more disappointed in the future unless you make the necessary adjustments. So that brings us to point number three. If you don't like the results you're getting, make a change. Make a change. If you look back on your younger self and you're thinking, where's that guy or where's that girl, that person that you hoped you were going to turn into, where are they? Well, the future's not going to change. It's not. It's just going to be a more exaggerated version of yourself. So if you don't like the results that you've been getting, you need to change what you're doing. In sports, they'd change the batting order, or they'd start another pitcher, or they'd start a different lineup, or they'd change the offense, or they'd tweak the defense. We need to make some different changes if we don't like 
what we're getting now, the results we're getting now. We need to make some changes. We need to make some different decisions. You need to value some different things. You need to watch out for the things you're letting in before they set in. It's incredibly important. And remember what Paul was saying in Romans 13, verse 12, first part. He says, the night is about over. Dawn is about to break. For some of us, we're living in the evening of life. And I want you to know this. You can still make adjustments before the dawn comes. It's never too late to do the right thing. It's never too late to soften your heart and repent and stop living for the flowers of the grass and start living for the word of God. Point number four, plan for the long game. Plan for the long game, which means steady consistency is much more important than short-term intensity. How should you respond to this message? Well, if I could answer that for you, I'd tell you I want you to respond with a measured determination. I don't want you to just kick it to the side and go, there's too much there. I'm not going to ask you to start making a list of things that you need to change. Not yet. It's too soon for that. I think I just want you to begin to kind of ponder these things we talked about this morning because there's a lot here to take in. And ongoing consistency always trumps short-term intensity, always. And here's why. The ongoing, slow, steady consistency allows you to tap into what has been called the most powerful force in the universe. And it's a concept we know as compound interest. Now, I'm not just talking about finances. Your financial uh, person probably has talked to you about how compound interest works. Albert Einstein said this about it. Compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He who understands it earns it. He who doesn't pays it. It's a good word. Whether you're earning 20% or you're paying 20%, it comes down to whether you understand this powerful force in the universe, the power of steady consistency to build up and become strong over time. He's talking about the long game. He's talking about making adjustments, making changes, not just financial. You can set that aside. That's just the illustration. He's talking about making adjustments, even small adjustments now, that you maintain over the course of your life, and you'll build on those. And down the road, five years, you're going to be a different person. It's the long game. It's the long game. Let me illustrate it this way. Imagine a series of dominoes that increased in size, each domino to the next. You start out with this tiny domino, and then the next domino is one and a half times larger than the original. And that keeps going all the way to the end. You think about it. The problem for a lot of us, this is an example of compound interest. Steady, consistent growth over time. This is a picture of that. And I can imagine if each one of those dominoes was a character quality, like kindness. And the next year, you were one and a half times kinder than you were this year. And then the next year, uh, uh, one and a half times kinder than that year. Think about how you could grow. Kindness, discipline, generosity. Think about that for a moment. You see, the problem isn't, it's not that we don't understand it. It's just that oftentimes we don't have the discipline to stay with it. 
We look at it and we go, I don't have time for that. It's too long. I've tried that before. I've made changes in January, but by the time I got to March, I just threw in the towel. I want things to be different. Why is that? Because we want to be different and we want to change, but we want it on our timeline. And what we're hearing is that these things take time. I read the Bible one time, but I wasn't a man of God overnight, so it was frustrating to me. Isn't there a pill that we could take to get all this in us, right? And the answer is no. There's nothing on Amazon you can buy that's going to change this because we want instant results, but we're talking about compound interest. You can't jump from this point to this point. You can't. You have to go from here and all the way through there. That's how it works. That's how it works. This very first domino is really small. But if we start small and we realize the power of steady consistency, here's what can happen to you. Watch this. Watch the impact of just one small change over the course of time, building on it, building on it, building on it. All of a sudden, that's significant. C.S. Lewis said this, good and evil both increase at compound interest. That's why the little decisions you and I make every day are of such infinite importance. Imagine something as negative in that little, that little domino growing to be something that significant. The smallest decisions we make in every way are of infinite importance. So don't don't get stuck living the less than life. The life you get stuck with is the life that you make. And you may not be satisfied with what's happened before this point, but today, drive a stake in the timeline of your life and say, you know, five years from now, it's gonna be different. I'm in it for the long game. I'm gonna invest myself in this compound interest, this steady consistency, because I wanna be different down the road than I am today. And that can happen. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to change. Um, I, I bet that most every person in this room wants to live their best life. And that's what, what we hope for them. We want to represent you well. We want to be lights that are burning brightly in a world that's filled with darkness. And we want people to know the love that you have for them. But God, we want in our hearts for this to be, these things to be true about us, that we are kind and we are generous and we are disciplined and we're people who are growing in that. Lord, Lord will you help us to see what needs to change in our own lives? Will you help us to see that, God? Give us patience to play the long game and not just Throw the towel in when we're not happy or someone hurts our feelings or, or we, we find ourselves failing again. There's a process to this, God. Help us to grow one and a half percent each time, each year. Lord, will you help us? Will you help us not to quit? Lord, the best decision a person can ever make is to put you at the center of their life. That's the first step to growing in this thing we call the more than kind of life. And 
I pray, God, that that would be true for every one of us in this room, that you're at the throne, on the throne of our lives. And if not, I pray that, that they'll take a step and say, hey, I, I need to talk to somebody about this. I pray, God, all of this in the powerful name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior.